When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by the Angie App and LL Flooring's Profiles Podcast. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Got a project you want to get done around your house? Don't stress out. We are sort of your home improvement therapists. We give you remodeling advice, repair advice, decor advice to help you get the job done once, get it done right, so you can get on to enjoying your home. You can help yourself first, though, by calling us with those questions at 888-MONEYPIT or posting them to moneypit.com. Just click on the blue microphone button. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk winter storms, the power outages they have can really bring everything about you to a full stop, right? You can't do anything. So you may be considering a generator because we got a lot of power failures this year, and I know more and more people are looking at those. So we're going to give you some tips to help you pick the best type for your home. And if you've got an active household, your furniture is likely to take a few hits or more from time to time, especially if you've got kids, because they are messy. We're going to share some tips to make water rings, dings, dents, and scratches disappear. And just because you're a renter doesn't mean you can't make changes to your home or apartment to cut heating costs. We're going to share some solutions to solve your energy problems, including some that you can even take with you when it's time to move on. Also, guys, you need some help? What are you working on? You have a renovation, a repair, maybe just a decorating project. Whatever it is, if you're feeling overwhelmed or you don't know where to start, you just want some guidance, whatever it is, we are here to help you create your best home ever and tackle your to-dos with confidence. So don't forget, we're standing by. Reach out anytime. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974. Or better yet, go to moneypit.com, click the blue microphone button, which you'll find on every page, record your question, and send us a voicemail. We'll get back to you the next time we produce the program. Iris in Florida is on the line and has a question about a new countertop. Tell us about it. Oh, hi. First and foremost, uh, Leslie, let me tell you, I've loved listening to you and Tom for so many years. You're You're just both of you are just so wonderful. Thank you, Iris. Iris. We appreciate that. You're most welcome. Well, my husband and I built our current home about four years ago. We did not upgrade the granite counters in the kitchen. We are now putting in a wonderful click-in waterproof vinyl um, planking throughout the entire house. And, of course, the um, counters are looking like they need to be upgraded as well. What kind of counters do you have right now? We currently have granite, but we're very uh, strongly favoring a quartz. Okay. Um, So what do you think? I mean, the cost is about the same. It's kind of of a a toss-up between those two products. 
the granite is probably a bit harder to take care of because it's more absorbent. It's the difference between, you know, solid stone and really engineered stone. I mean, the solid stone is, is what you have now, and engineered stone is what you would be getting. We want to stay in this house um, fairly permanently, so, and, and we're pretty contemporary, and there's so many beautiful quartz um, oh, yeah. patterns. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts about style stone? Yeah, it's beautiful stuff. So yeah. I think, Iris, the reason why I, I really do like quartz as a product, um, we put it in. My mom has a vacation home out on the east end of Long Island. My whole family shares it. And we had a big flood due to a pipe bursting a few years back, and we renovated everything in the house. And, I mean, and we had formica countertops, laminate countertops, that, you know, from a gajillion years ago, and we, all of us loved the look of marble, but none of us wanted the maintenance of marble. So we ended up going with a quartz that looks just like a beautiful white marble. And it's oh. gorgeous. It's durable. It's stain resistant. It, you know, you can put a hot pan on it and not worry about it. I mean, we try not to, but it, you can. Uh, so we all love it. And we ended up also doing one that has a concrete look for a surround to a fireplace. And we've all been happy. And I mean, this was trying to please three siblings and a mom. So, you know, we all struggled on picking the right thing, but I really do enjoy the quartz product. I mean, truly. I love marble. I love granite, but there is such a level of maintenance that goes along with it. And if you're not willing to take on that maintenance, it's just not going to stand up. Well, it sounds like you made an excellent decision based on so many people to please. And since we were leaning so favorably toward it, I think I'm convinced. So thank you so very much. Yep. Good luck with it. I'm sure it's going to be beautiful when it's done. Thanks so much, Tom. Take care. Jim in Washington's on the line and needs some help with an egress window. Tell us what's going on. Well, I've got a, a, a window in my basement that I need to replace with an egress window. Okay. And um, there's plenty of um, square footage in the opening in the concrete wall, but um, my window will be 54 inches off the floor, mm-hmm. which is um, a little bit more than the 44 that's required off the finished floor. And I was just trying to figure out what my options were. So your problem is that in the basement it's going to be 54 inches off the floor? Yes. Why are you putting it up so high? Is it because of the grade outside or the conditions outside? That's Initially, I think that's why they put, put it up so high. Well, listen, you're not going to achieve an escape window if it's that high. I think what you need to do is look outside, and, and, and let's talk about some of the options there. The Bilco company, B-I-L-C-O, you know, kind of famous for the Bilco door. That's that sort of metal slanty door that covers a lot of basement doors. They have two products that are actually very efficient, very functional, and and one of them is actually particularly good-looking. One's called a stack well, and it's an egress window well. Basically, it's a very deep window well, very wide, that has a ladder built into it. So you don't really see the ladder unless you're inside looking out, but you, you basically can go through the window, grab the ladder, and then kind of climb up. And the other one's called a scape well, as in an escape well. And that one's kind of cool because it has a planter design. It's like a terraced kind of uh, look to it. And that's going to take up a little bit bigger room outside. But it's designed to do the same thing. It enables you to basically have that uh, window at the proper height. And then if you had to go through it in the event of a fire, you would easily be able to climb up out of that scape well. So I would take a look at those products uh, from Bilco. I'm sure there may be others that make it. I'm just happy to be uh, familiar with those. I've seen them at the trade shows and they're pretty cool looking. If I needed one, I'd definitely buy it. Okay. Uh, is there any option like uh, building a step inside to uh, bring you up to a 
I mean, you probably could do that, but you know, why would you want to have an extra step in the floor? You know, that's just going to take away from the square footage. You know, I've seen similar to climbing out of a pool, sort of indentations where your feet would go in to get a foothold to climb up. I've seen that built into a wall when you have a similar situation and then you climb into that egress window and then you climb out as well. Um, you know, that's a good solution if you need it, but then you have to worry about the ability of somebody who might be in the space and the ability to climb out. Stack well. An escape well. Yep. Yeah, take a look at those Bilco products, and I think you may find a solution right there. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. All right, calling in from Michigan. We've got Sharon on the line. How can we help you today? We had a new fireplace, gas fireplace, put in last July. And almost constantly since we've had it put in, we hear a whistling, howling noise behind um, the glass, behind the fireplace. We've called the installers, and they had a wind guard made and came out um, just a few months ago and put it up by the new cap and um, the noise is still there. And we, uh, you know, I, I hear it almost every single day. Yeah. Is this, um, is this gas fireplace, this is completely brand new or this was like a masonry fireplace that was converted to gas? No, it, it, the fireplace and all the venting is brand new. When we had the house built 12 years ago, that fireplace went out, um, about a year or so ago Mm -hmm. and we couldn't find replacement parts. Everything was discontinued and obsolete. So that's why we had, to put in a brand new fireplace. What brand fireplace did you put in? It's a Travis 864TRV. The venting on this, is it up through the roof or is it out the back of the fireplace? No, it goes um, up through the roof. The um, fireplace is almost in the middle of the house. We kind of okay. almost have a square house. Mm-hmm. And I did call and ask the guys that put in the venting, the new venting, the angles and the length, and they told me that they went up, and all the two angles are going to be at 45 degrees. Um, initially, from the fireplace, it goes up 12, then turns and goes 10 feet, and then up 10 feet to the roof, and the two angles are 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. 
where where it goes through the roof, there's a rule called the 210 rule of chimney construction, which means that it has to be at least two feet above any part of the roof that's within a 10-foot radius. So if you were to kind of have a 10-foot string swing around that that chimney, it has to be two feet above the roof at, at the closest part. Do you have the sense that the vent is, is tall enough where it comes through the roof? Honestly, don't know. We- so here, here's what I would do. I, I think that you've already, you know, talked enough to the installers and the folks that you bought this from. I would talk to the manufacturer. I would talk directly um, to the, the folks at Travis Industries. And their website is simply travisindustries.com, but they have a separate website for this particular fireplace brand. It's simply called Fireplace X. Dot com. I see the information on the 864. It looks like a beautiful unit, but I suspect this is in the uh, this is in the venting. The problem is, is in the venting, and it may have to do with the type of vent they use, or the installation of the vent, or the height of the vent above the roof, perhaps being not tall enough. Because it sounds to me like what's happening is as the wind blows over that vent, you're getting this whistling noise, and it should be something that they could figure out and design around. So the two foot above. The roof line. What what was that again? It has Think of the to... chimney coming through the roof, right? If you were to go to the top of the chimney and go 10 feet in any direction, like a circle, uh-huh. that top of the chimney has to be at least two feet above any piece of the roof. Okay. All right. But I would, I, I think you should probably work with the manufacturer on this, at least to try to figure out what the possible issues are, because you okay. certainly shouldn't be putting up with this. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks so much. Well, with an aging electrical grid and severe weather seemingly more prevalent than ever, getting caught without power is becoming a lot more common. Now, generators are an option, but the type all depends on your budget and your needs. There's two basic types. We're talking about portable and whole house. Now, each serves a specific purpose. Well, that's right. So let's talk about portable generators first. They're usually gasoline-powered. There's a range of power they provide. Small units can power a few essential items like your refrigerator and your lights. And they can also be taken sort of to-go to places like campsites and tailgates. Now, the pros are that they're very affordable. They're compact. They're portable. You can take them with you to other locations if you need to. But on the con side, you need to store fuel operate safely, and you need to manually operate. They're not really designed to be used in the long term. For example, if an outage lasts more than a few days, you got a lot of noise, you got a lot of fumes to deal with, and you got to get fuel. And remember, if the power's out in your neighborhood, you're not able to buy gas because the power's going to be out at the gas stations as well. That makes it hard to keep them going. Now, a whole house generator, these are installed directly into your home's electrical system. Now, they can run on natural gas or propane, and they're tied into your home's fuel source, and they can power the entire house in seconds when the power goes out. Now, these use an automatic transfer switch, and that monitors your utility power. So when that goes out, that automatic transfer switch automatically turns on the generator, whether you're home or not, and then it automatically shuts it off once the, you know, regular power is restored. Now, the pros here are you don't have to think about it. It's safer. You don't have to store fuel, run extension cords. It's really good for outages when you're not home and not able to hook up a portable unit. Now, the cons here, it can be expensive, and you might not be able to recoup that investment if you sell your home, although I promise you it's going to be a fantastic selling feature. You know what I love about my whole house generator? It always tells me when it's Thursday because that's when it comes on to run the test cycle. (laughs) Once a week, I hear that come on. I go, oh, it must be Thursday. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's that's a feature of that. They, they always run the sort of exercise themselves, and I think that I feel so much more comfortable having it. And there's nothing cooler than uh, coming home to a power outage where everybody in the entire neighborhood has, like, lights out, and your house is just bright and cheery. I know. I feel bad, but not too bad. <laughs> Listen, you're always welcome to put stuff in my fridge. I'm happy to help out. Jackie in Florida is on the line with a dishwasher question. Tell us what's going on. Here's uh, my thing. It's a Whirlpool dishwasher. It's only four years old. And all of a sudden, just one day, a few weeks ago, just I noticed all, all the dishes just stopped drying. And so I did some looking up. I did some troubleshooting. It could be this. It could be that. And now... They seem to be washing, but just not drying. But now the, mm-hmm. there's mold building up in it as well. Yeah. And I've even noticed that. Like, it's still hot. If I pull it right after the cycle's done, it's still, you could still feel the warmness of it. But, but you got it. But you have to hand dry them, in other words. Right. Well, usually if the dishwasher is not drying, the problem's in the heating element. The fact that they're warm is probably just the hot water that you're using to wash it with because dishwashers are, you know, are hooked up to the hot water side. But uh-huh. the, uh, the heating element is at the electric coil that's in the bottom of the dishwasher, and that may have failed. But you got a decision to make because you just mentioned you have a four-year-old dishwasher, and having somebody come out and diagnose it and repair it is probably going to cost you 200 or 250 bucks. So right. uh, on, what you got to figure out is whether or not you want to risk that or just go ahead and scrap it and go and order yourself a new one. When it gets right. to be middle-aged like that, it doesn't always make sense to, to repair it. Right. And here's the, here's the thing, like even I've tried to even look up online to see if I can buy the heating element myself yep. and then replace it myself. But well, you certainly can do that. Part, the part number doesn't come up. I can't find a matching part to it. And so then I talked to Whirlpool, and, of course, they want to send someone out. And- Did you try Sears? Because I think Sears has Whirlpool parts, and they're really good about uh, about stocking a lot of parts and also taking them back if they don't fit. Do I have to pull it out of the cabinet? to get to the screw to unhook it or does it pull right? I wouldn't know without looking at it, you know, and that's the other thing. You're going to be diving into something that you're unfamiliar with. And it might just be that again, it just doesn't, you know, it it just uh, doesn't work. So I'm sure that somebody out here has had that problem before and has a a YouTube video waiting for you to look at. (laughs) (laughs) There's a YouTube video for everything. Right. You can do everything on YouTube. No. And that's actually what I've, I've, looked into YouTube as well. That's how I figured out how to fix anything and everything these days Good is for YouTube. You. That's great. Um but I didn't know if there was like a simple way. You know, I cleaned it well, I scrubbed everything down thinking maybe that was the problem. Because you know how dirty they get and clogged up. So I yeah. don't know. Well, like I said, I don't think it's a clog situation because if you told me your dishes weren't coming out clean, then we'd be having a different conversation. But it sounds like they're just not drawing, and that's most likely going to be that coil. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I think you just made my final decision. All right. Well, we're glad we could help you out. That's what we do. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. 
AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Adam in Louisiana's on the line looking to add some space to the home. Tell us what you're working on. Well, I just bought a house, my first home, and it's pretty small. Um, it's 1,150 square feet. So it was originally one bedroom and one bathroom, and it's a pier and beam style house. They had put an add-on on the house. They put a concrete slab down, and they built an additional bedroom that's the entire length of the house. Okay. What I'd like to do is put a second bathroom in. The existing one is really small, and it's kind of in an awkward spot of the house as compared to where the nice large bedroom is. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to build one um, in the in the large bedroom, sacrifice a little bit of the space. I don't need a 400-square-foot bedroom and put a, right. a nice bathroom in there. My concern, though, is with the house being pier and beam, it's raised higher than the addition is. So I have no idea what kind of project it would be regarding plumbing. So the plumbing would be, is going into the slab section of the house? Correct. And you have an attic above that section as well? Uh, no, there's no attic. There's no attic? Not, not on the add-on, no. Not in the addition. Is it a cathedral ceiling? Yes. So I guess in, in theory, I, I could raise the bathroom. Yeah, but that's going to be kind of weird. You have another layer in the house. Look, the drain is not a problem because for the drain, you can, you're basically going to have to bust through the slab, but you will hook up the drains outside and then run them to the sewer or to the septic. It's the water supply that's a little hard to, harder to get to. And that's why I asked you if you had an attic, because if that was the case, I would run insulated pipes across the ceiling and then down. But you don't have those. So we've got to get the water supply to that bathroom. Could the bathroom be on the wall between the old and the new? Is it possible we could bring the plumbing in there? Yes. So I guess for you to visualize, um, if you were to walk into the current bathroom, so let's say facing you uh, directly in front of you at 12 o'clock is the shower. At 10 o'clock is where the toilet is. And at about 2 o'clock is where the hot water heater is. Okay. On the wall opposite the hot water heater, so I guess it would be about 3 o'clock, that's the wall to the um, the new bedroom, the add-on okay. bedroom. And you would back the bathroom up to that? Because that would make the most sense. 
I would think that'd be the easiest thing to do, yeah. Yeah, I think it would make the most sense because you can take advantage of the plumbing there. I, I suspect that this is going to end up being a partial renovation of, of of the original bathroom, too, by the time you get all the plumbing reconfigured. But that is going to be probably the best way to do that. Okay. I mean, is it major, major undertaking? I'm not really uh, the most handy person around the house, exception of a couple YouTube videos. Yeah, it's and- not a, it's not a like, hey, let's. What am I going to do for my first DIY project? I'm going to you know build a new bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> not not recommended. Right. <laughs> okay, um, but look, what you might be able to do is to get the help of a professional plumber with the hard stuff. Right, have the drains run, have the the supply pipes run, bring everything out into the room where it belongs, then you could do all the finish work and you have the plumber come back and, and hook everything up or you hook it up. So maybe you could just sub out those more complicated parts of this project and do the finish work yourself. Do you have any idea? I know, of course, location, everything else matters. Ballpark idea of how much I should try to budget for a project like this? Um, well, I mean, a bathroom's usually a few thousand bucks. But what I what I might do is um, try to reach a good quality plumber. I'm thinking how you should do that. I would go to HomeAdvisor.com, okay, and um, and see who's uh, <clears throat> listed in your area of the country, mm-hmm. and then create a description that fairly assesses the project to be done. Adding an additional bathroom, you're looking for uh, rough and finished plumbing to be completed um, in those spaces. And put it out there and see what plumbers reply on that. The nice thing about Home Advisor is that you can read the reviews of folks these guys have worked for in the past. I use them when I needed to uh, get emergency plumbing work done for my mom's house. And I'm in New Jersey and she was in Florida. Okay. And she wasn't even there. She was like our winter home. And, and we got a, a letter from the water company saying that she'd used 10,000 gallons last month in an empty house. I'm thinking, hmm. That's not good. Right, right. <laughs> and I was able to find somebody quickly to go in there and figure out what happened and, and, and get it fixed. And it, it turned out to, to not be a big deal. It was a, a, a valve that we thought was off. It was on. It was leaking water from the toilet. And we got it resolved. But the point is that I'd made that decision quickly and easily because I was able to read the reviews on, on these guys, even though I wasn't there. So I would uh, use that service, try to find a, a plumber. You know, they don't charge for estimates generally. And have a couple of them come in and talk with you about the work and probably give you some more ideas on, on how to get it done. Then you could take it from there. I've never owned a home before and this place is 70 years old anything i should be on the lookout for uh potential problems or catastrophic issues that i might overlook yeah on our website at moneypit.com we have an article that is um that talks about what goes wrong with houses based on the year okay that they were built but it but a 70 year old house you'd be looking at the plumbing we could start there um you may have some steel plumbing in there and that's plumbing that will rust you know you you may have an antiquated electrical system as a type of wiring called knob and tube that was common in that time of that time frame. It's an ungrounded system. And beyond that, it's pretty much just wear and tear things that you would expect. Okay. You know, on the flip side, the structures are usually pretty well built, and you often get hardwood floors and and you know pretty solid uh, wall framing and roof framing and floor framing. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Well, if you've got an active household, your furniture might suffer the occasional water rings, a ding, a dent, scratch. Well, luckily, there are many ways to bring furniture back to pristine or near pristine shape. Here's how to handle the most common types. Now, white rings, they're caused when water vapor penetrates into a finish, but they can be easily removed by wiping them with a cloth barely dampened with denatured alcohol. Now, shallow chips, this is where a clear finish is chipped, but that underlying color is intact. 
So you can fill that ding with just a few drops of a clear nail polish. And after the polish dries, you want to sand flush with a 600 grit sandpaper. And then to restore the sheen on a satin finish, you want to rub with a 4-0 steel wool and a paste wax. And for gloss finishes, you can use auto polishing compound and a rag, but strictly keep that to the furniture. Now, here's some tricks for large scratches or worn edges. You can use a felt tip touch-up marker to actually sort of color in that worn edge. And sometimes I've done this with a Sharpie if the finish is dark enough. I sort of color in the place where it's sort of scratched down to the raw wood because it's a lot harder to see a dark line than a lighter line. And if you kind of rub it in there and wipe off the excess immediately, it sort of blends right in. And then once you get that done, you can add a coat of paste wax over the top of the repair and the adjacent surface, and it will actually give you a very even sheen across the whole thing, making those dark, deep scratches virtually impossible to see. Now, to restore the sheen on satin finishes, you can rub with a 4 aught steel wool. Now, that's four zeros. Why they call it 4 aught? I don't know, but that's just what it is, guys. <laughs> and you use a paste wax with that, with the aught, 4 aught. Now, for gloss finishes, you want to use an auto-polishing compound and a rag, but make sure it only stays on the piece of furniture. You don't want anybody slipping and sliding. Kathy in Arkansas is on the line and has a question about potentially having radon in the home. Tell us what's going on and why you might think this. I I built a house about two years ago on the slab, and I always hear a lot about radon lately for some reason. Is that a a potential hazard on a slab home, or is that only where you have, like, uh, crawl spaces? I just I don't know how that works. So it's technically possible that you could have radon in a house that's slab on grade. Radon is a, is a, a gas that's in the soil. And if it uh, builds up to a point where it's over four picocuries per liter of air, that's the measure of radon, then you would take some action to reduce it in your house. Typically, if your house is on a basement or a crawl space, well, if your house is on a basement, it's probably at the highest risk uh, because it can come directly through the walls and get into that space and up into the house. Crawl space is not so much because it's very well ventilated. Slab-on-grade homes can have a radon level if the radon is very, very high in the soil. Now, the only way to know is with a radon test. Fortunately, it's pretty easy and inexpensive to do. You pick up a radon testing canister. You can buy one at a home center, or you certainly can order one online. You would place this canister in your home for a period of around two to six days. Then after that exposure period, you would seal it back up, ship it off to the lab. They would read it and tell you what your radon levels are. And based on that information, you could either do further testing or, or talk to a radon mitigator about getting it resolved. So that's the that's basically the, the long and the short of it. Um, Slab-on-grade houses don't have as high a risk as a basement house, um, but it is technically possible for them to have elevated levels. Wow. I just wondered how I could get through the cement from the dirt. Yeah, it finds a way. Wow. <laughs> All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Thank you. Well, heating an apartment is the single biggest expenditure during the winter. But while homeowners can do things like purchase new energy-efficient heating systems, renters don't have the same options to improve heat in a home they don't own. Or do they? Yeah, you know, even if you're not responsible for your apartment's heating bill, there are investments that can help you feel warm all winter long. And if your apartment's heating system and rental agreement permit, 
you can have a programmable thermostat installed. Just set the thermostat lower by 10 degrees overnight and warm your apartment in about an hour before you wake up and then scoot that temperature down while you're away during the day. And better yet, it can happen all automatically if you get a smart thermostat because smart thermostats figure out when you're home and not home and they adjust the heating automatically. This will kind of allow you to set up a very comfortable heating routine and you'll save about 150 bucks a year in energy costs. Now, you can also make sure that all heating registers are unobstructed by furnishings and window coverings so that that warm air can actually flow freely into each room of the apartment. Now, if your unit has radiators, you can even slide heat-resistant reflectors between the radiator themselves and the wall, and that's going to send even more warmth into the room. And let's talk about drafts. You want to seal those possible air escape routes around windows and doors with a removable caulking product or a removable weather stripping product. It's just like caulk. You seal in the gaps around the windows and the doors, and then you peel it back off in the spring. You just got to make sure that it's not a window that has to open in the event of an emergency and likewise with a door. Another area to check is the attic hatchway. If you've got like a panel up in the ceiling that allows access to the attic, that's a spot where a lot of warm air will exit. So that also ought to be weather stripped as well. And also, if you're able to turn off heating units in rooms in the apartment that aren't being used and shut the doors to keep that warm air moving exclusively in those occupied areas, that's going to help make you feel nice and cozy. Yep. And if your apartment is too warm, work with your property manager to solve the problem because it might signal an issue with your unit's heating system. Ted wrote into Team Money Pit and he says, I'm closing on my first house in a few weeks, and one of the first things I need to do is move the washer and dryer hookups from the detached garage to inside the house. Who do I call to do this for me? Do I call a contractor who is going to sub out the electrical and plumbing work, or do I call an electrician and plumber separately? It should be pretty easy to install, but because it will be right beside the existing water heater. Well, first of all, Ted, you got to do the deinstallation, right? So you're going to remove those machines from this detached garage, that means you've got plumbing lines going out there. And I would make sure that those plumbing lines are turned off from the house because those plumbing pipes, even though they're not going to be used, are certainly going to be at continued risk of freezing and breaking. So make sure you do that. And likewise, if you happen to have a 240-volt electrical circuit out there, I'd make sure to turn the breaker off for that inside the house. No sense having that line electrified. In terms of the installation, you need both. You need a plumber to basically run the pipe and make that connection, and you need an electrician to properly wire the additional outlet for it. Hopefully, you could add this to an existing circuit and not have to wire a new circuit back to the panel because that's more work. But you're right. These are smaller projects. So what I would do, especially if I was moving into a house new or for the first time, I would sort of group up all my little projects that I want done. You know, maybe you need an extra outlet somewhere or maybe you need a new faucet or a fixture. Do all that at once, and this way you're not paying just for the plumber or electrician to come out for this one smaller project. You get several done at the same time for just a little bit more money. All right, smart. Good tips. Well, here's an idea we could all get behind. Better toilet seats. From comfier to cleaner, there are a lot of affordable upgrades out there for your throne. Leslie highlights some popular options in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. So, Leslie, should we sit down for this? <laughs> I mean, I'm already sitting down. What? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, all the places you sit at home are comfortable. Your desk chair, your sofa. But there's another place that you do spend a good amount of time sitting 
And I'm talking about the bathroom. I mean, heck, if you go in there with an iPad, like some people I know, you could be in there for forever. <laughs> My God. It's but the reading room. It is the reading room. <laughs> I mean, which is so crazy. <laughs> but everybody does it. So how can we make your toilet seat, you know, not that cold, uninviting place that's in your house? There are a bunch of upgrades that are hitting the market and picking up steam and available for less than 200 bucks each. So do you hate it when that toilet seat slams closed? I know I jump out of my skin every time it happens, which is a lot with two boys. Well, let's be honest. They're not really closing the toilet seat. So when I do hear it, I'm shocked to begin with. Now, you can stop those instantly with quiet, closed toilet seats. All you have to do is like a gentle touch and that lid drops super slow and soft and no loud bang. And that means less touching and fewer germs as well. And toilets can be cold. Well, you can shiver no more with toilet seats that sense activity and actually warm up when you sit down. Some models even have adjustable settings so that you can control the temperature. I mean, how about that for toasty buns? This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, we're going to talk about plaster walls. I mean, they're common in older houses, but cracks in those walls are just as common, especially after decades of settling. We'll share a trick of the trade to make repairing those cracks fast and easy on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 